Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. 2 Corinthians 1 Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles as we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relationships with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom but on God's grace. For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that, as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia, and to come back to you from Macedonia, and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner, so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes, and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. 
I call God as my witness and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. Our ears are full of hyperbole. There is so much overstatement in our opinion-soaked world that Paul's mention of despair could slip us by. It shouldn't. Paul was a self-confessed understater. He didn't play with words just to make an impact. His yes was yes and his no was no. And so when Paul tells us that he suffered beyond his ability to endure, you know that he suffered. Oh boy. He must have suffered. This must have been an extended, exhausting episode of bone-grinding agony. Paul, who had escaped a crazed mob's death sentence a couple of times, tells the Corinthians that he felt the sentence of death. We don't know exactly what happened to Paul, and we actually don't need to know. Paul gives us enough to realise that this great apostle became so weak-kneed gaunt-faced and hollow-stomached that he called out to his mummy for help and then he kept on wailing. All right, he called out to God for help, but the reality of Paul's pit of despair should change forever our understanding of our faith. Episodes of extreme pain do not mean that God is failing or that we have failed. These dark nights can be times of profound transformation if we respond to them as Paul did. So what did he do? Well, I hesitate to answer that straight away because it might sound like God gives instant relief if we do the right things. And that is obviously not the truth. But what we do find Paul doing is setting his hope on God who raises the dead. Setting his hope doesn't feel like a particularly helpful translation. Fighting To keep his hope in God seems better to me because remembering and remaining in hope was not an emotionally straightforward exercise. And fighting is also a helpful word because we can see it was a group fight. The prayers of many helped Paul hold together until God's comfort arrived. Paul did not suffer and set his hope on his own. He involved others. Do you involve others when you feel low? Our faith must make space for admission of weakness and pain and begging others for help. Not to do that is not biblical. And we also end this chapter realising that our faith must make space for others to express utter agony to us. Let's try to be people who are easy to speak to, who are okay with people not being fixed straight away but who, at the same time, pray faith-filled prayers for their deliverance to come. Here's a question for reflection. There can be long and horrible gaps between our prayers for help and God's deliverance arriving. How can we help people who are trapped in one of those gaps? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. 
For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.